He's been here before. Thank and, you. Yeah. Can I use this? Do you want to keep any of this? <laughs> Thank you. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. I was a little concerned this morning when I looked at the order of service, thinking of my, how do I say it gently, more mature friends here at First Church when I saw we fall down. (laughs) That's a broken waiting to happen. I was worried. So good job. Good job. I think everybody's still safe. Next week, we'll try it a little harder. Well, uh, Pastor Lehman had uh, invited me to share with you. Uh, He said something about being in the witness relocation program and had to get out of town quickly. I I don't know. I'm hoping he comes back, but he may look entirely different. After the surgery, he'll be an Asian woman, but the mob will never find him. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I've been thinking about how life is a journey. You've heard that said probably, right? Life is a journey. Well, currently, I am associate pastor at Opportunity Christian Fellowship, working with kids and families. And those of you that know me, yes, you should be afraid. But I also own my own travel agency. And and this concept of life as a journey, I see interestingly played out in the way people approach vacations and vacation planning. Uh, Maybe you see yourself somewhere in this list. There are people who... When I ask them about their their travels, their vacation interests, they really have no interest in it. Maybe they're they're just homebodies. They they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to do anything outside of what's here. And and all of these are are legitimate journey. And some of us approach the journey of life like that. Just kind of want to ignore it. I'm happy in my little bubble. Everything is good. There's some other people that I encounter in my work who... Well, I'll call them dreamers. They they dream of going someplace. They'll collect all of my travel brochures and books and lug them home and sit there and read them, but never go anywhere. They have dreams, but for whatever it is in their lives that is, well, hey, how are you? Good to see you, Rosalie. Uh, Who are holding you back. They never go anywhere. Then there are some people who, who they're cautious. They, uh, maybe they go the same every year. And I'm knocking that vacation-wise because sometimes maybe you have a favorite vacation home or a place you love to go. But to me, that just, uh, it, it's a cautious approach. You stick with what you know. And we approach life that way sometimes too. Maybe a little more adventuresome than the person who uh, never goes anywhere. But you like the journey on your terms. And then there's the people who are a little more adventuresome. Outgoing. Now, frankly, these are the ones I like to have as clients. But when it comes to the journey of life, think about it. These are the folks that are willing to go someplace new, try something different. Uh, explore something or some place they've never been before. And so it is in the journey of life. Some of us are a little more um, okay with the unknown, a little more willing to step out where our feet have not been before. 
Well, thinking of that is kind of a model for how some of us approach life and the journey of it. I want us today to take a look into how Paul described his journey, his faith journey, if you will, that I think all of us are on. Uh, And he gives us a glimpse of that in Philippians chapter 3. In fact, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so it may sound a little different than what you have there. But in Philippians chapter 3, in the first part, Paul already goes through this long list of of credentials, of of the stuff of his life, of how he uh, was a great Jew and, uh, and, uh, and all these things. But then he comes down to verse 8. And he says, yes, everything is worthless. All of this stuff he's listed before in his life, how, how he has tried to make it on his own. He says, it's worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And as a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. And then verse 12, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or, or that I've already reached perfection. But I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. I hope all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things, and if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain. Already. We'll go back and look at this a bit more in depth. But Paul is telling us about his life journey, his experience with God, and how it continues to unfold. And as we think about that, and I hope apply some of those examples to our life today, the encouragement for us that I think Paul gives us is to Press on. Press on with the journey. Did you hear that in verse 12 where he said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. The thing about a journey, and particularly as we think of it as our life, is... There's not really an end point, per se. It's not like I can get to to this and I'm done. My wife loves to vacuum. Well, 
I shouldn't say she loves to vacuum, but of housekeeping things, she enjoys vacuuming because if you do it right, you can see where you've been and you know when it's done. You've gone from one wall to another, it's clean, it's done. There's a sense for her of of accomplishment, of the goal being achieved. I keep praying she will see that that can apply to dusting as well, but so far, no luck. But the journey of life is not like that. It's not that I can say, oh, as soon as I get to 30 or 40 or 87, that I have reached the end. You know, like in Bloomsday, I know that some of you are far more athletic than I ever hoped to be. But in Bloomsday, they put those big mile markers up. So you know, okay, I'm an eighth of the way there, and of course that's depressing. Or mile two, mile three. And the journey has its challenges. There's downhills that are easier, uphills that are harder, water stations which are welcomed. But finally you go under that banner and your little chip records that you were 40,212th or whatever. And there's a sense that the journey's done. It's not so much like that in life. And Paul is telling us here to press on. The reality is that this journey and this faith journey carries on through all of life's stages and phases. And so my encouragement for my more mature friends, and you know this better than I, is that the faith journey never ends. It may look different at different parts of our lives, but are we still pressing on or have we grown complacent? Have we said, it's okay, I'm fine where I am, and we stop desiring more of God? And pressing on, as Paul says, to that perfection, to all that Christ wants me to be. Think about how that journey looks different at different stages of life. Maybe as a child, if you came to know Christ as a child, you had an innocence and a childlike faith, which is appropriate to that stage of the journey. And then for many, whether it's as a teen or a young adult or even later in life, maybe you have a stage of of kind of rebellion, of questioning, of, is that true? Why? And for too many people, their journey gets short-circuited there. But if we can continue through on that journey, recognize that that's okay to question, to wrestle with, as we're moving along that process of maturing. You then come to a phase where, as a young family, you're seeking to instill faith in your, in your children, in your family, and involvement. You're going to take a nap, sister? What are you doing here? Need an, well, thank you for, I thought Ginny needed a little nap. You're going to lay down, bring a blanket for her. I was wondering if there's room for everybody. It probably is. Deep meditation here at First Church, isn't there? Just don't snore, because that gets distracting. Trust me, I know. And, and then as, as we age and life's challenges come up, we probably encounter the struggles, the pain, the loss that affects so many areas of life. 
And at those steps on the journey, again, we can often question, maybe shake our fists at God. We say, why would, why would this happen to me or to the one I love? I, I've been walking with you. And it's again at those crucial uh, uh, intersections of that journey where we choose either to continue to press on or to abandon faith, to, to give up, to sit by the side of the road as it were. But as we press on, our hope is that we come to a place of maturity in our life and in our faith where we have peace where we are recognizing that we're drawing close to what Paul says is that that perfection, is to that that place with God. And he uses that analogy of a race as well. So back to to Bloomsday, if you will. There is in this life a a finish line. None of us really know when we're going to get there. It's not like the uh, mile markers tell us. But when this earthly body stops working and we are forever with God, The journey reaches its fulfillment. But don't give up. Don't kick back and say, it's not for me. Paul is encouraging us to press on. But he also points out that this is not a journey that we can run with a lot of baggage. You know, it's a a whole new world if you've uh, flown anywhere in the last uh, few years not only is security so crazy, but now the airlines charge you for every bag and whatever you're carrying. So a lot of us uh, are dragging our bags with us, and, and that can get cumbersome. Well, so it is in the journey of faith. And take a look again at how Paul put it in verses 8 and 9. And again, remember, this is after he's told us about what a, a great... Jew he had been, essentially, with all the right credentials and credits. But then in verse 8, where he says, Everything is worthless when compared with the gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've discarded everything, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. For Paul and for many of us in our own journey, we have to come to this realization that the journey of faith is not about what I can do. It's not about what I know and that I've done the right things, gone to the right places, know the right people. It's about discarding that baggage, even Paul calls it garbage, to recognize that the journey is about Christ. And my growing more and more into his likeness. But that only happens as I press into the journey, as I keep on. And the more stuff I try to drag with me, look what a person I am, look what I went to the right schools or, or I do the right rituals, that just weighs us down and distracts us from the real point of the journey, which is becoming more and more like Christ. You're familiar, I'm sure, with the definition of faith 
Paul says here that that journey really is by faith, but let me remind you how it's put in Hebrews chapter 1, where it says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. We know that there are some folks, maybe even some of you here today, who say, oh, I don't have faith in God. The faith is just a crutch. But in reality, we have to have faith in life even to get along, don't we? When you started your car this morning, if that's how you got here, you had faith that you were going to get here safely. If you go to the airport, you have faith that that metal tube is somehow going to become airborne and you will survive going 540 miles an hour hurtling through the atmosphere. That takes a lot of faith. But it happens hundreds, thousands of times every day. And so in my mind, it is not that big of a leap to have faith in a God who is reflected through history, tradition, and creation itself and to recognize That this journey he has called me on is not one that I can control, that I know everything about, but that I can trust him. That I can have faith in what maybe I don't yet see, but what I know will happen. That historically there was Christ, that he was crucified, rose, and ascended. And in so doing, my sins are forgiven and I can live with him forever both in this life on the journey and in that eternal reward as well. And so Paul calls us to have faith in that journey. It's not about the tools and the credits and the, and the credentials that I take, but it's about what God is doing in me as I press into that journey. And then... Paul reminds us to acknowledge a simple reality that too often, I think, can become a stumbling block on our journey. And that is that there are speed bumps. That God never promised that life is going to be easy or constantly fun, regardless of what my children wish. Sometimes there's work and there's struggle and there's hardship and there's loss. And there's pain? Look how Paul put it in uh, the last half of verse 10, where he says, I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I might experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul recognized that this was not going to be an easy journey. And we know elsewhere how he talks about that journey has contributed to his being beaten and suffering, shipwrecked. But he knows that through that he will learn and experience the transformation into Christ's likeness and ultimately share that eternal life with Christ. Now, it's natural that when the bumps and the pains and the losses of life come, and they do, that it kind of trips us up on the journey. But don't let them become a wall, a total barrier. 
where you say, oh, because this happened to the one I love, or because I lost my job, or because of this horrible thing. God must not be real. God must not care about me. I'm not going to press into the journey. Instead, as we press more into that journey, we come to find that God is with us, even in the midst of that pain, of that loss, and of that suffering. You're familiar with the, that, that uh, well, sure you are, that footprints poem, you know, uh, of how the footprints in the sand and you look back in your life and those p- historical points of great pain, you only see one set of footprints and how God said it was in those times that I carried you. Well, that's a beautiful image of how in that journey we press on. Now, Bill, you would understand Far better than I would. But I have heard that when you're running a marathon, you can hit a wall. Has that ever been your experience? Where you just want to stop. I mean, for me, that would be about the 300th yard. But where you just feel you can't go on. And so it is some of those speed bumps in our life. But if you press on, you find a new sense of energy, a, 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 a new... Uh, sense of, of purpose to finish the task. And so it is with God in that journey. Uh, show the next slide here. Uh, if you have kids or grandkids, maybe you have seen the game Candyland. I guess I had a deprived childhood. I never had it. Or maybe it was a blessed childhood. I don't know. But my kids have Candyland. And this image came to my mind for the journey of life. How much is it like that? If you're not familiar with Candyland, you see these happy little children in the left corner. Uh, They represent you as the players as you're going through this colorful maze by, I don't know, you spin a thing or something. Or no, you draw cards or something. I don't know. Um, But the journey has great times of triumph, like when you're going through the the peppermint forest or Grandma Nut, some strangers giving you candy. We've all learned about that. I don't know why we reinforce that to children. Uh, (laughs) But there's also challenges, like you you might get stuck in the, in, in the, in the, what is that? Oh, the molasses swamp. How dreadful. And maybe the molasses swamp in your life is the loss of a job or the end of a relationship or the death of a loved one. But in Candyland, if you press on and you don't give up and throw the cards all over and storm off, that's never happened in my home, you ultimately reach the end of the journey to Andy Castle. Well, God's castle is far grander. And it's where he calls us to, where he yearns for us to be. When our earthly journey is done. And it's the promise he holds out for us. So next time you see Candyland, think of that as a journey of life. Of how there are good days and there's not so good days. And sometimes you've got to scrape the molasses off your boots. But press on. And then uh, Paul shows us in this that when we're on the journey, I've already talked about on. we have to keep looking forward. Sometimes we can 
get distracted by looking in the rearview mirror. But with the exception of backing up, can you drive very effectively down the highway by just looking in the rearview mirror? I hope you're saying no, unless maybe you're a stunt driver or something. But we've got to be looking forward, and so it is in this journey of faith. See how Paul put it in verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I am still not all that I should be, focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. looking forward to what lies ahead. On our journeys of faith, keep looking forward. Now, that doesn't mean to totally disregard the past. But I think what Paul is saying is don't live in the past. Sometimes we have that tendency. You know, the good old days. But remember, when you were back there, they weren't really so good. We can tend to kind of stagnate in our favorite part of the journey and, and just push the pause button on life and, and not want to go any farther. Because around the next bend may be the molasses swamp. It may be the end of a relationship or some other painful thing we want to avoid. But Paul says, forget the past. Don't just cling to the present. Live fully there, yes, but look forward. Recognize that the journey is just that, a journey. And God keeps calling us further and further that we might be refined more and more into His image. Enjoy the journey, yes. And realize that the future is better than the past or the present. Now, sometimes... You look towards the future, and I was talking to my friend here, and and she said, you know, when you're 87, you just don't quite have the same stamina that you once had. But you learn to enjoy life at that phase of the journey so that you can still say, yes, these are my best days. And God is leading me to a far richer place. And remember... This journey is not a race. I I know Paul uses the analogy of of running a race here, but it's not a competition. It's not like the first one of us to get to the finish line wins and the rest of us lose. For each of us, this life is a unique journey which God has laid out, and if we will press into it, look forward, keep moving, We will experience all the riches and blessings that he has for us and be refined increasingly into his image until we are with him for eternity. Now, Paul doesn't mention it so much here, but from elsewhere in Scripture and my own experience, let me add that on this journey, don't go alone. You know, as a travel agent, when folks approach me and Perhaps for whatever reason, they want to travel solely. It's, it'll get better. Please, come back. <laughs> I'm almost done. <laughs> I hope he didn't have the car keys, because you're in a world of hurt. 
Uh, it costs just as much for one person to travel as it does for two, almost. Because they penalize you for traveling solo, if you will, the tra- many of the travel suppliers. And it's really, you can vacation alone, but somehow there is more fun, more joy in vacationing when you're with people you know and tolerate. Because you can share those experiences together, you can laugh, you can remember, you can share the journey. Well, so it is in our journey of faith. Who are you traveling with? Now, there are times for solitude. Yes, don't misunderstand me. But we're not called to this journey as an individual where I never interact with anyone, that my faith is such a private, closed-off No one is allowed to see it. There are different people along those different stages of the journey that we can share life with, that we can share this journey with. Whether it's friends, teachers, leaders, pastors, parents, later our own kids or grandkids, a spouse, maybe an accountability partner or others, who are you sharing this journey with? Who are you learning from? Not to continue picking on you, Miss Urias, but you were telling me earlier of how your husband passed away about 10 years ago. And in those first moments of widowhood, it's one of those speed bumps in life, I'm assuming. And you feel like, how am I going to survive this? But you put it beautifully when you said, I learned from my other widow friends here in the church family that you can go on. And that happens when we share life on the journey. When you're real with one another. When you can encourage and coach and model for others and say, I've been there. I I know that pain you're going through, but there's hope. Because around the next corner is the peppermint forest, baby. And, and we can keep pressing on by loving and caring and journeying with one another. Not only do we receive the support and... Oh, he came back. Thank you, sir. So glad you're here. Uh, but we can share that. And, and you can be a blessing to someone else. How can you encourage someone along that journey? How can you model the next step of faith for them that they might come to know and grow in Christ as well? So as we wrap up, I have a couple of questions. Where are you on the faith journey? Or better yet, are you on that journey? Life is a journey for all of us, whether we recognize it or embrace it or not. But are you on that faith journey? Have you said yes to Christ? I know for many of us, we have. And wherever you are, whatever stage of life or phase you're in, you can, if you've not yet entered that faith journey, say yes to Christ. And we'll pray in a moment and you'll have that opportunity. It's as simple as saying yes to God. Saying, I'm sorry for the ways I've rebelled against you, but may the reality of what Christ did on the cross be 
real in my life so that I might live on this journey of faith. Whether that means in this earthly life you've got two years or a hundred years to go, it's an incredible journey that God will guide you on. But then for the rest of us who have said that, yes, where are you on that journey? Maybe you're realizing, you know, I kind of sat down on a log on the side of the road. And I've stayed in that same comfortable place. Or maybe you're here today kind of going through the motions, but the reality is that there was a speed bump, a loss, a pain, a struggle at some point on the journey, and, and you kind of gave up. Where are you on that journey? Are you traveling light, recognizing that it's Christ and His work in your life, not yours? Are you pressing through that pain, living the times of joy? Who are you traveling with? Who's supporting you and whom can you support along that journey? I want us to pray together and and maybe you're recognizing that there is far more on the journey that God has in store for you. And if so, say yes to him. Journeying can be frightening at times because there is a sense, whether it's a vacation or the journey of faith, where we have to give up control, where I don't know what's going to happen. But when we can do that, when we can trust ourselves into God and his journey, it is then that great things can happen in us and through us. Would you join me in prayer? God of grace, thank you. Thank you that you call us on a journey through all of life's stages and phases, wherever we are, whatever it looks like, that you are with us, you're calling us, you are reminding us process. Life is a process through which You make us more and more into the very likeness of Christ. God, there may be some here today who who they say, boy, I really don't think I'm on that journey. But they're ready today to say yes to you. And so God, hear their yes as they say, Christ, come into my life. Put my feet on that journey. And I don't know what the next week month, year, or 20 years might hold, but I trust, I have faith that on that journey, you will do your good work in my life. And God, for others of us who who have said yes, who've embarked on that journey, maybe the busyness of life, maybe trying to do it on our own with uh, that baggage of life that we can drag along, Maybe we got tripped up by one of life's speed bumps. And we want to say afresh to you, God, pick me up, dust me off. Remind me that you are leading and guiding me. May I have the courage to to go around that next bend, whatever it holds, to press on into the next stage of life along this journey. And regardless of how old I am in body, that I can...
continue to learn of you, grow in you, be transformed by you. And God, for all of us, help us to recognize we don't journey alone, but be willing to share life with those around us and about us, that we might be encouraged by them and that we can encourage someone else, that together we might grow into the image of Christ, that together as a church family here at First FM, that we would be journeying together becoming more and more like you until that glorious day where we receive our eternal reward in your presence. Thank you that you make that possible. May we press into all that you have for us. In the name of Christ, amen.